Chapter Sixteen of To London Town. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. To London Town by Arthur Morrison. Chapter Sixteen. With the spring, the steady application of paint in Harbor Lane burst into a fury everywhere the houses and the flagstaffs and the fences took new coats of many colors changing as the season went and the paint-pot traffic fell into a vaster confusion as tops were in among the boys the smell of paint grew day by day and when the marble season began little else could be smelt with july came fairlop friday and bessie wondered at the passing of a great model of a rigged ship on wheels drawn by horses and filled with jubilant shipwrights on their way to epping forest in accord with yearly custom she had grown to consider the forest as a place so far off though indeed she knew the distance in mere miles that it came almost as a surprise to see people starting out to drive there in a few hours with so slow a vehicle and to return the same night bob smallpiece had written once or twice he kept an eye on the empty cottage and looked out for a tenant but he had never made a visit as nan may had asked him the last news was that his bedridden old mother was worse and not expected to live the trade went well better than ever indeed and scarce a month passed but nan may put a sovereign or two in the post office savings bank and uncle isaac began secretly to look upon the shop in harbor lane as a convenient retreat for his later years already he took as many meals there as possible for as he said he could get no proper attention in his new lodgings of his old friend mr butson he had seen nothing for months for butson he knew had lost his berth on the steamboat and had fallen on evil times and uncle isaac never intruded on private griefs of this description but later this year when the anniversary of johnny's apprenticeship was nearing and when johnny himself was near a head taller for he grew quickly now uncle isaac saw butson from afar as he crossed the docks and butson saw him there was no escape but uncle isaac with a grin and a wave of the hand tried to pass on hurriedly as though urgent business claimed his time but mr butson rose from his bollard bollards had been his most familiar furniture for months now and intercepted him you've had about a year now to get that hurry over he said with something not unlike a sneer if you're going that way i'll come along too got any backer uncle isaac with a bounteous air that scarce covered his reluctance pulled out a screw of paper and mr butson filled his pipe for some little way he smoked in silence for tobacco was an uncommon luxury with him just now and he enjoyed a succession of puffs with no interruption then he said workin at turton's now no uncle isaac replied with a slight cough i know i ain't workin there thought not looked out for you often and you move too 
Butson smoked again for a space and then went on. I've had a pretty awful year, he said. Why, I was very near going stoking once or twice. He had not quite gone because the chief engineer always sent him ashore. Nice thing, that, for a man of my bringing up. They walked on. Truly the bad year had left its marks on Mr. Butson. The soles were three-quarters gone from his boots, and the uppers were cracked. He wore a mixture of ordinary and working clothes, frayed and greasy and torn, and he shivered under a flimsy dungaree jacket, buttoned so close to the neck as to hint an absence of shirt. His bowler hat was weather-beaten and cracked, and the brim behind was beginning to leave the crown because of rain-rot. Presently, Uncle Isaac, impelled to say something, asked, "'Been out all the time?' "'Very near. Got a job on a drolic. But the chap began jawing me about something. I wasn't going to stand that, so I just walked out. "'Nothing else?' "'Not much.' One or two things I got on to, but they didn't last. Know the laundry over the cut? Well, he took me on there to run the engine and sacked me in a week. Said I was asleep, measly swine. Much the same at other places. Seemed to want to treat me like, like any common feller. But I showed him different to that. Ah, commented Uncle Isaac absently. He was wondering which way to lead the walk and how to take leave of his companion. But his invention was at a stand, and presently the other went on. Well, he said, you ain't got so much to say as you used. Know any job you can put me on to? No, I don't, replied Uncle Isaac with gloomy simplicity. Trade's bad, very bad. I've been working short time myself, and standin' off day after day. Stood off today. Well then, lend us a bob. Uncle Isaac started and made the space between them a foot wider. Really, Mr. Butson, I... All right, make it two bob then, if you'd rather. You've had more than that out of me one time and another. But, but I tell you... I'm unfortunate myself. I've been standing off day after day. Seems to me you're trying to stand off as much as you can now. Look here. Mr. Butson stood and faced Uncle Isaac. I'm broke, clean broke, and worse, I'm hungry. It's, it's very bad, said Uncle Isaac, but why not go to your rich relations? Butson frowned. Never mind them he said. I'd rather try and tap your small property. What am I to do? I'm at the end of me tether, and I've tried everything. Ah, enterprise is what you want, Uncle Isaac said, being at a loss what else to recommend. Enterprise. I've recommended enterprise before with wonderful results. Wonderful. And, and how about Marion? There's the landlady at the Mariner's Arms. She was always very friendly. And that's a life as ought to suit ye. Curr! Mr. Botson turned his head with a growl and took to walking again, Uncle Isaac by his side. She'd want to make a potman of me, 
and and well that ain't much catch anyhow if you won't lend me a bob stand me a feed of some sort ain't ad your tea have ye plainly something must be sacrificed to butson and it struck uncle isaac that the cheapest article would be some of nan may's bacon so he said well i was thinking of popping round to my niece's to tea i'm sure she'd make you very welcome all right same niece as give us tea over in the forest that time yes she's round in arbor lane the lamplighter scuffled past into thickening dusk leaving his sparse trail of light spots along the dock wall the two men came through streets where little sitting-rooms lighted as yet by fires alone cheered butson with promise of the meal to come and when at last he stood in nan may's shop now no place of empty boxes but ranged close with bacon cheese candles sausages brawn spiced beef many eggs and a multitude of sundries there was some shadow of the old strut and sulky swagger hanging oddly about the broken-up butson of these latter days uncle isaac did it with an air for an air was an inexpensive embellishment that won him consideration good evening nan i've took the liberty which i'm sure you'll call it a pleasure to introduce a a friend to tea which we well remember with happier circumstances mr butson is come to see you duller eyes than nan may's would have seen butson's fallen condition at a glance and it afflicted her to know that while fortune had favored her it had stricken him so sorely she led them in offering butson a cordiality in some sort exaggerated by her anxiety not to seem to see his poor clothes nor to treat him a whit the worse for his ill luck as for mr butson he found a good fire and a clean hearth with an armchair beside it in a better room than he had seen for long old mr may's photograph hung over the mantelpiece and below it was the sole remaining butterfly trophy a small glass case set when the old man was young the ragged books that were bessie's solace stood on a sideboard top and bessie herself disturbed in reading was putting one of them carefully in its place the kettle sang on the hob and when johnny came from work he was astonished to find a tea party of great admiration johnny was a big lad now though he was scarce sixteen years of age and mr butson condescended to shake hands with him to condole with him on the choice of the wretched trade that had so ill supported himself and to exchange a remark or two on the engineering topics of the week but chiefly mr butson attended to the meal nan may had never seen two men together eat such a meal as his plainly he was famished she was full of pity for this unfortunate so well brought up thought the simple soul so cruelly neglected by his well-to-do relations she cut more slices of bacon and more and still more bread and butter quietly placing them to his hand till at last he was satisfied mr butson was refreshed filled his pipe again from uncle isaac's paper and gave some attention to the conversation 
but the conversation took to itself the property of rarely travelling far from mr butson and his troubles he had no false modesty about them he had parted with almost all his clothes and hadn't a shirt to his back his tools were in pawn and a man felt discouraged from looking for a job when his tools were put away as he had no money to redeem them but he would starve sooner than apply to his unnatural relations he would take the help of strangers first when at last mr butson took leave and went shivering into the gusty night uncle isaac was careful to let him go alone and to remain himself in the shop parlor till his friend was clear away but nan may ran down the street after her departed guest there were a few hurried words of entreaty in the woman's voice here mr butson do you really must and she scurried back breathless and a trifle shamefaced she reached across the counter and shut the till ere she came into the shop parlor uncle isaac looked up sharply in her face as she entered but went on with his pipe end of chapter 16 recording by john brandon